You're listening to Brains On, where we're serious about being curious. Brains On is supported in part by a grant from the National Science Foundation. Ruby, I'm about to video call Mark, Sandin, and Molly to see how their road trip is going. You want to join in? Ooh, here I come, just grabbing a snack. I know they were planning on using their new vehicle to tunnel into the Earth. I wonder how it's going. Oh, it's so good to see your faces. You too, Molly. Um, is it raining in there? Raining? Oh, right, because my hair is all wet. <laughs> nope, I'm just very sweaty. Hey, Manica and Ruby. Hi, Sandin. Hey. See, he's super sweaty too. Yeah, see how I glisten? Sweat really looks good on me. Anyway, we started our journey at the center of the earth, the core. It was so neat, but also so hot. Yeah, and right now Mark is piloting in our Explorer. Which stands for Extremely Practical Land and Ocean Rover Exploring Remote Realms. Don't you know? I do know. Yeah, so Mark is piloting the Explorer through the part inside the planet called the Mantle. It's also very hot. The fact that you feel merely very hot and not burnt to a crisp is a testament to the spectacular design of the Explorer. This all-terrain, all-climate, all-planet vehicle I built is able to withstand the intense temperature and extreme pressure inside the Earth. Good point. Uh, Shouldn't you be driving? Oh, yeah. Oops. (laughs) Gotta go. We've seen so many cool things already, and I'm writing it all down for our book, Road Trip Earth. Except uh, it's very hard to hold a pencil when you're this sweaty. Ah, Get back here, pencil. Okay, my turn to drive. But first, I'm going to go put on more deodorant. And I'm hoping to take a nap. It's so warm and cozy in here. It feels like camping in a fireplace. Okay, stay safe. Talk to you soon. See you later. Bye. 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 Just talking to them made me feel sweaty. Oh, yeah, me too. But lucky for us, I just made this. Did you just throw a snowball at me? Yep. Oh, man. It's on. Snowball fight. You're listening to Brains On from APM Studios. I'm Manika Wilhelm, and I have two co-hosts today from London, Ontario, siblings Ruthie and PT. Hi, you two. Hi. Hi. So, Ruthie, you wrote in to us with lots of great questions about snow, and I'm guessing that being from Ontario, you have lots of experience with snow? Yeah, we love to play in the snow. I like digging out the Snowdens to make forts. Yeah, we love having snowball fights with our little sister, too. What did you say you like digging out of snow? Snow dunes. Like sometimes like the wind just like goes around on the snow and it makes big like mountain things. Oh my gosh, so big piles of snow. I've never heard of a snow dune because I grew up in a place that didn't have as much snow. <laughs> PT, what's your favorite thing to do in the snow? Um, I like to make big snowballs for like snowman and stuff. Oh, what's the biggest snowman you've ever made? Um, it was four balls. Um, our dad helped with it, and it was like a bit taller than me. Wow. Ruthie, do you have a favorite thing to do in the snow? Um, I like building snowmen too, and I love snowball fights. Mm. But I don't like when you get all cold from snowball fights. 
So if you were describing to somebody who's never played in snow before, what's it like and how do you feel when snow is first falling down? You go first, Ruthie. The deepest snow we've ever got is like two feet or something. And we have to like shovel it all out, but it's really fun because like you're the first person to walk on it. And sometimes you'll see like animal tracks in it. And it's just really cool to play in. So you just like sink right into the snow. Um, I like it because it seems like like you're exploring a new planet or something. Um, and then sometimes you find like ice or something under the snow and you can just dig it up and slide on it. Wow, a whole world of snow. And Ruthie, it turns out you are not the only one with questions about snowflakes. Check out what this dynamic duo asked. Hi, my name is Lucy and I am six years old. Hi, my name is Sam and I'm eight years old. And we're from Colorado. And our question is, why Why are snowflakes all different shapes? On the ground or in your hand, snowflakes might look all the same, but they're not. If you look under a microscope, they have all sorts of different shapes. And not just those classic star-like shapes you cut out of paper. There are simple prisms, which look like six-sided blocks. Sheaths, which look like sharpened pencils. Pointy. And then there are snowflakes that look just like their names sound. Such as plates, columns, needles, and stars. And there are lots of other shapes, too. So, how is that possible? Why are they all different shapes? To find the answer, we talked to Ken Liebrecht, a physicist from Caltech. He's an expert on snowflakes. In fact... He understands them so well. I was the snowflake consultant on uh, Frozen. My soul is spiraling in frozen fractals all around. For example, one common fractal form is when you have branches and side branches and more side branches. And snowflakes are a little like that. They, they knew there'd be a lot of snowflakes in the movie and they wanted to make sure they got them right. And so I went over to Disney Studios and and I uh, showed them a lot of pictures of snowflakes. And I, I guess I convinced them at least that to make them all six-sided, which not everyone does. And, and they did, so I was pleased with that. In order to understand how a snowflake gets its shape, you have to look how it first forms way up in the atmosphere. Clouds are made of mostly water droplets, even when it's below freezing you know, there's a lot of things that can happen up in the, in the sky, and they all do at some time or another. For example, the water droplets can combine to form raindrops, which are big, and they're big enough to fall, and then the raindrops can freeze on the way down. And those are called sleet particles, and they're not at all like snowflakes. They're just, they look like frozen drops of water, which is what they are. Sleet is not very fun to play in. And another thing that can happen is you can get the droplets that will hit a snowflake, and uh, they will look like a bunch of droplets stuck together and frozen. (laughs) That's called grapple, or soft hail. Also, not that fun to play in. So how about snowflakes? They form slowly up in the clouds, starting with a single frozen droplet. That single frozen water droplet then absorbs water vapor. Water vapor is water that's now in the form of gas. And it ends up about 100,000 water droplets evaporate uh, in the process of making one snowflake. Whoa, that's a lot of water droplets for one tiny snowflake. And really, they're not just snowflakes. They're snow crystals. That's a crystal. 
Crystals are special materials where the molecules line up in a nice, orderly fashion. Okay, I think I need a pause for a second. There's a lot more that goes into making a snowflake than I anticipated. Yeah, I think we may need the zoom ray for a second. Got it! And a water droplet. (sighs) Oops, I finished the water. Oh, that's okay. There's still a few drops in the bottom, and that's all we need. Zoom ray on. Zoom, zoom. Let's zoom way in on this water droplet. Zoom, 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 zoom. Whoa! We've zoomed in so far. I can see the atoms. Yeah, those are the tiny building blocks that make up everything. Everything around you is made of atoms. You're made of atoms. Your clothes are made of atoms. Water is made of atoms. So each atom is like an individual Lego brick. And just like there are different kinds of Lego bricks, there are different kinds of atoms too. And water is made of two different kinds of atoms, hydrogen and oxygen. Let's zoom out just a titch. Okay, now these are water molecules. And molecules are groups of atoms that are stuck together. Like how a few Lego bricks can stick together to make a bigger shape. You got it. Ooh, yeah. I can see that each water molecule is made of two hydrogen atoms and one oxygen atom. Two H's and one O. H, two, O, I get it. So whether water is in a liquid, gas, or solid form, it's made of these molecules. And when water is liquid, the molecules are all close together and they're basically constantly high-fiving each other. High-five. You're the best. Oh yeah. When liquid water evaporates, Individual water molecules break off and float in the air. Woohoo! Catch you later, molecule friends. So imagine a water molecule up in the cloud. Wee! I'm vapor. And it bumps into a frozen water droplet. This looks like fun. What are you frozen molecule friends up to? We're holding hands and staying still. Fun. Can I join you? Yes, of course. Let's make a crystal. That's a crystal. So as more water vapor is collected by the frozen water droplet, a snow crystal starts to form. Let's zoom out further and look at our snow crystal. These snow crystals form a very particular shape. The way they like to stick together is in hexagons. That's a six-sided shape. The same shape Ken wanted to make sure the Disney animators got right in Frozen. Different molecules form different kinds of crystals. Salt molecules, for example, like to form cubes. But water molecules love six-sided hexagons. And these hexagon shapes can branch at the edges to make star shapes. Some are long and skinny and look like needles or columns, and others are flat, like plates. So you start with molecules forming hexagon crystals, but they can stick together and form lots of different variations off of that basic shape. Okay, time to zoom out and get back to that original question. Why are snowflakes all different shapes? We don't actually even understand that exactly yet. Uh, if you want really nice stellar snowflakes, uh, the, science, the kind that you always sort of cut out of paper, those tend to form only when the temperature is around minus 15 Celsius. Uh, columns like needles and things grow at minus 5. So temperature plays a big role. The humidity also affects things. Uh, the, the higher the humidity, the faster the crystals grow. And, uh, and just sort of the nature of the cloud and whether there are a lot of droplets in the cloud and, and sort of the density of the droplets and whether the 
crystals form low to the ground or way up high in the atmosphere. It all sort of affects the way they look when they fall on your sleeve. Even though we don't totally understand all the reasons that snowflakes take on these different shapes, we do understand the answer to the next question a little better. It was sent to us by Oliver, who lives in Thailand. Hi, I'm Oliver, and I want to know why two snowflakes are never the same. Ken will share the answer with us in just a bit. But first, we must interrupt this very important snowflake discussion for the... Here it is. Um, it sounds like something falling, like a bunch of, like, rice. Mmm. That's a good guess. And what did you hear, Ruthie? I think it, I think it sounds like something falling. And I'm trying to think of how it would be, like, snow. Like, maybe it's, like, someone's, like, shoveling snow. Oh. I like that guess. I think thinking about things close to snow is you're on the right track. Should we listen to it one more time? It's a pretty short sound. Yeah. Okay. All right. Ruthie, did you hear anything new that time? Oh, I heard some like leaves. I'm I'm not sure if they're leaves, but it just sounded sort of like leaves. Mm. But I still think it's like shoveling snow. It sounds like to me like it's digging out something. So maybe like, like a crusty like bit of dirt or something or like snow i think those are great guesses and we'll be back with the answer after the credits at the end of the show we're working on an episode all about worms and we want to hear from you so ruthie if you had a pet worm what would you name it if i had a pet worm i would name it wiggles because worms like to wiggle around in the dirt And how about you, P.T.? If I eat a pet worm, I'd name it Isaac Newton. Why would you name it Isaac Newton? Because worms like to hang out in apples, and Isaac Newton's famous because an apple fell on his head. (laughs) I love that answer. And you can send us your answer by heading to brainson.org slash contact. While you're there, you can also send us your drawings, mystery sounds, and questions, like this one. My name is Chris, I'm from St. Louis, Missouri. My question is, how do trees make rings inside, and do the rings really show the tree's age? You can hear an answer to that question by listening to the Moment of Um podcast. That's our new bite-sized daily podcast. You can find it wherever you listen to Brains On. Just search for Moment of Um. And if you're looking for a way to support Brains On, it would mean a lot to us if you would pre-order our book. Mark, Molly, and Sandin are sharing their adventures in the Explorer in the new Brains On book, Road Trip Earth. It's full of comics, photos, and cool facts about our favorite planet, Earth. You can also pre-order the very first Brains On picture book. It's called Earth Friend Forever. You can pre-order them by heading to brainson.org slash books. Thank you. And keep listening. You're listening to Brains On from APM Studios. I'm Ruthie. I'm PT. And I'm Manika. Now, back to this question from Oliver. I want to know why two snowflakes are never the same. Snow expert Ken Liebrecht has an answer. Well, you start with this little tiny droplet of ice. And uh, there's a lot of factors that are going into it. When they grow in the clouds, they, uh, the, the, the way they look depends on the path they take through the clouds. 
thousands, no two snowflakes follow exactly the same path. Uh, No two snowflakes really look exactly alike. The paths are individual, and a lot depends on the conditions, too. So temperature, humidity, things like that. So as the snowflake moves around, bumping into the water molecules, the shape changes, the crystals form, making a complicated-looking and delicate structure. We have a link to Ken's research in the show notes so you can see the gorgeous photos of snowflakes he's captured. Ken is based in Southern California where it doesn't really snow. So he makes his own snowflakes in the lab. And here's how he does it. Get a freezer, uh, something cold, and just some water. And I'll heat the water up and water vapor will come off and and then uh, cool down the water vapor and it automatically starts to grow as ice. And so it's really just a question of controlling that process. If you head to our website, you can get ideas for some cool snowflake-related activities you can do, even if you don't live in a cold climate. You can preserve snowflakes in glue, make ice spikes in your freezer, or cut some scientifically accurate paper snowflakes. Find the link at our website, brainson.org. So Ruthie, you also had some questions about how we make snow. Isn't that right? Yes, I wanted to know if you can make snow in hot places, like near the equator. It's a great question, and we asked our pal Ruby Guthrie to look into this for us. Hey! Yeah, so turns out we can make our own snow, even in large amounts, with the help of some special equipment. It's called artificial snow. And it turns out, in order to make this snow, you need cold air. So it's possible you can make snow up on a mountain near the equator if it were chilly-willy. But it wouldn't be cold enough in most places. Oh, so I won't be able to have a snowball fight on a tropical beach. Unfortunately, no. But a sandball fight could be kind of fun. Anyways, your question really got me interested in human-made snow. So I visited a place that makes snow here in Minnesota. Wait, Ruby, I'm confused. It's winter, and Minnesota is very cold. Isn't there already a ton of snow there? Yes, Manica, you are correct. I do live in Minnesota, and I have to shovel a lot. Minnesota. More like minna. snow Am I right? Oh, that was ponderful, Ruthie. But yes, you heard right. Even here in Minnesota, people still make artificial snow. I wanted to see for myself, so I bundled up and visited my local ski hill. Hello, I'm Damon Johnson. I'm the uh, maintenance supervisor here at Highland Hill Ski Area. Damon is one of the many people who helps make snow here. They're called snowmakers. And like most ski hills, Highland relies on artificial snow for all of their activities. So across this entire hill, we have approximately four feet of snow. Um, On average, we have to To make all the snow that's out here, we can't really depend on Mother Nature. Right, because sometimes it doesn't snow and the ski hill gets dry. Or there's already some natural snow, but not enough to coat the hills for skiing, especially after they use machines like snow plows to even everything out. Now, the artificial snow that Damon makes is a little bit different than the natural snow we're very familiar with. The snow that we make is a little bit different than the snow that comes from the sky. Um, The snow that comes from the sky is more of a flatter flake. It compacts. You could get a foot of snow naturally occurring um, by the time we would run 
our machines and equipment through it, you'd probably only end up with a couple inches of snow. So we rely on our snowmakers um, to do the majority of the snowmaking here. That sounds so cool. So how do the snowmakers do it? I'm picturing like a giant machine that catapults snowmen into the hills. Oh, or a laser ray, but instead of lasers, it's snowflakes. Whoa. Okay, those sound totally awesome, but that's not quite it. Although, I will say the real machines do remind me of something out of a sci-fi movie. They're called snow cannons, or snow guns. Picture this. A big barrel propped up on wheels, about eight feet tall. One end has a giant fan, and the other end is lined with a halo of tiny nozzles, just like the ones on a garden hose. It kind of looks like a jet engine, and turns out it totally sounds like one too. Yeah, so that's the sound of a snow gun, and this one is named Kevin, to be exact. Wait, the snow machine is named Kevin? Uh, yeah. Kevin the Snowmaker. So how does Kevin work? Well, you can think of Kevin like a sprinkler on a giant fan, basically just spraying water high up into the air. The water molecule goes into the air. It kind of freezes. Um, There's like like a shell around it, almost like an egg. And then you want to get that egg to be frozen by the time it hits the ground. And these water droplets freeze from the outside in, which creates these little rounded balls of ice, which is a bit different than the natural flakes we talked about earlier. But this artificial snow is actually much better for skiing and snowboarding. It's more compact, which makes it easier to smooth out and groom over the hills. Plus, it melts slower. So when's the best time to make snow? The best time to make snow is when the air is cold and dry. And since the air is typically coolest at night, That's when the snowmakers get down to business. So first, it starts with water. Damon pumps water from a nearby pond, and it's really important that that water is nice and cold. That way, it can freeze faster when it hits the air. But the water needs to be broken up into smaller particles. The solution? Mixing the water with a bit of compressed air. That's when lots of air is stuffed into a small space and builds up pressure, just like in a can of hairspray. It, it forces um, the water in the air together and kind of atomizes it into smaller particles and then throws it into the air. And then when it's in the air, we throw it up into the, you know, as high up as we can get it to go, gives it a longer chance to freeze, and then it falls down and lands on, on the ground. So the mix of water and pressurized air comes shooting out of the nozzles. And that's when the fan blows everything high, high up. And the higher, the better, because the water particles will have a longer chance to freeze as they fall to the ground. What does it look like when you have them all going at once? It's kind of neat. It'll, it basically is a big, kind of like a snow plume um, that flies up into the air. Um, when it lands on the ground um, and starts kind of forming onto the ground, we call those whales, because it kind of looks like a whale coming out of the ocean. That's cool. Snow whales? Pretty awesome. And then they'll take small snow plows and even out those whales into nice, smooth hills. Perfect for skiing and snowboarding. And snow whales aside, this can be a tough job. You have to be ready for anything. Changes in the wind, machines freezing over, or even water lines breaking. 
And that can get really messy. And sometimes if it's really cold after you get, would get hit with the water, it'll freeze to you instantly. And so you end up kind of being a, the guys will have jackets that are basically a, a turtle shell of ice. And when you go inside for break, you just take the jacket off and leave it outside. And then when you go back outside, you put it back on because you already have this protective layer. Right, it's like armor almost at that point. Yep. This might be challenging work, but ski hills all over the world, from Minnesota to the Winter Olympics, really depend on this artificial snow. Thanks for visiting, Ruby. Anytime. Now I'm off to have a snowball fight with Gungador. This should be good. Bye, Ruby. Bye. Hope you don't get crushed. I'll try my best. Snowflakes start as frozen water droplets. It collects water vapor up in the clouds, which forms an ice crystal. Each snowflake is different because they're shaped by the different paths they take. It is possible to make artificial snow, but the flakes aren't snow crystals, and you still need cold air. That's it for this episode of Brains On. It was produced by Molly Bloom, Ruby Guthrie, Mark Sanchez, Sandin Totten, and Manika Wilhelm. Our fellow is Anna Goldfield, and our executive producer is Beth Perlman. The executives in charge of APM Studios are Joanne Griffith and Alex Shafford. Special thanks to Tom Nicely, Luke Davies, and Jesse Lynn. Brains On is a nonprofit public radio program. There are lots of ways you can support the show. You can donate, buy our books, or tell your friends about us. Head to brainson.org to find the links to donate and to pre-order the books. Now, before we go, let's go back to that mystery sound. Here it is. All right, so Ruthie, what's your guess this time? So my guess before was someone shoveling snow with maybe leaves in it. Mm-hmm. And now I'm hearing something like like skiing. Mm. If somebody's like skiing or like oh. getting skis on. Um. It sounds like snow's like flying through the air. So it could be like a cannon Mm -hmm. blasting out snow or somebody like throwing a snowball. Wow, you guys are right on. Are you ready for the answer? Okay. Yes, I'm so ready. So this chilly sound was sent in by Elena from Corbin, Kentucky. And it's what you might hear if you jump on a trampoline full of snow. So, P.T., you had the snow flying through the air, and Ruthie, you had the sort of, like, feet crunching through snow part. Mm. Oh, cool. You guys just needed to put your answers together. Yeah, I've actually jumped on my friend's trampoline um, with snow on it, so (laughs) I should have been able to get that answer. I haven't gone on a trampoline with snow, but I've gone on it with water. Sounds like a giant drum. Hmm. I've only ever jumped on a trampoline in dry conditions. But Ruthie, when you jumped on a trampoline with snow on it, what did it feel like? Well, it felt really weird because the trampoline sort of got slippery. Mm-hmm. It was like crunchy because it sort of like all the snow got like balls and it was just coming down too. Mm-hmm. So it felt like it was like an echo of us jumping on it. I was jumping on it and the snow came down after. So it's really cool. <laughs> Yeah. So great guesses. You guys both did really great listening there. Thanks. If you have a mystery sound you want to share with us, you can do that at brainson.org contact. 
everyone who sends a question, an idea, a mystery sound, a drawing, or a high five gets added to the Brains Honor Roll. And here's the most recent group of listeners to be added. Kabir from Berkeley, California, Eleanor from Lehigh, Utah, Brooklyn from Eagle Mountain, Utah, Advait and Anika from Fremont, California, Lucy from Bungendore, Australia, Scotty and Connor from Chapel Hill, North Carolina, Ella from Athens, Georgia, Aster from Fort Walton Beach, Florida, Charlie from Durham, UK, Joseph from Laguna Niguel, California, Luca from Capron, Illinois, Emily and Caitlin from Chilliwack, British Columbia, Noel and Abram from Daejeon, South Korea, Charlie and Maya from Auckland, New Zealand, David from California, Margo from Toronto, Ada from Oxford, Mississippi, Eva from Saratoga Springs, Utah, Eli from Alexandria, Virginia, Dunham from Amarillo, Texas, Harper from East Grand Rapids, Michigan, Layla from Newcastle, Australia, Elizabeth from Newton, Massachusetts, Asher and Ellery from Needham, Massachusetts, Gabriella from Littleton, Colorado, Evan from San Francisco, Judah from Finley, Ohio, Grace from Connecticut, Kieran, Wesley, and Parker from Corvallis, Oregon, Irene from Portland, Oregon, Lucy from Bungendore, Australia, Evelyn from Ojai, California, Carter from La Habra, California, Quinley and Sully from San Francisco, Alexander from Prairie Village, Kansas, Emmy from Knoxville, Tennessee, Elisa and Lucia from Santiago, Chile, Lawrence from Melbourne, Australia, Caden from California, Darcy from Poughkeepsie, New York, Jack from Swindon, United Kingdom, Tyler and Cody from Freeport, Maine, Kian and Reese from Richmond, California, Lewis from Columbia, Missouri, Sydney from Honolulu, Hawaii, Luna from Long Beach, California, Taliko and Tallulah from Knoxville, Tennessee, Madeline from Rincon, Georgia, Indigo from Kansas City, Mason and Sterling from Peril River, Louisiana, Willa from Oregon, Uma from Ojai, California, Eduardo and Ricardo from Guaynabo, Puerto Rico, Hadassah from Kirkland, Washington, Arlo and Tilly from Eagle, Wisconsin, Ella from Washington, D.C., Ivania and Ruslan from Sherwood Park, Alberta, Robbie and Peter from Joplin, Missouri, Ramona from New Ulm, Minnesota, Sydney from Honolulu, Grayson from Farmington, Utah, Ellie and Shalev from Newton, Massachusetts, Savannah from Pleasant Grove, Utah, Finn from Hertfordshire, United Kingdom, Griffin from Sacramento, Alex from Rockville, Maryland, Grayson from Dallas, and Liv from Bram, Minnesota. We'll be back soon with more answers to your questions. Thanks for listening!